0: I am excited to dive into the Word of God today. Grab your Bibles with me if you will. Turn to the book of James, chapter 3. The book of James, chapter 3. We should have our app notes uh, available on our app this morning. I apologize. Uh, Through the course of the storm, we had a few technical difficulties. Uh, It might be because uh, the building where we do the app notes took on six inches of water, but you know, that's up to the Lord. Right, we should be good today. or can, can somebody tell me if our app notes are up? It's working. It's working. Thank you very much. Uh, and so you can follow along. You can also follow along on the screen. But let's dive into the book of James, chapter 3. I am absolutely loving the book of James. Every time I read and study the book of James, I'm challenged, and, and yet I'm excited because one of the things I learned from James is that no matter how dark the world gets, We still have a faith in God that works and can shine brighter even in the darkness. I heard a pastor say, and he was listing all of the crazy thing going things going on in the world, from the storms to the fires, uh, to the to, to North Korea to to everything. And he and he was just his point was this. This is the perfect time for the church to be the church. You are set up to shine brightly. And and I think that's what James is teaching us through his book. So let's read a couple of verses here. We've been studying how to walk out our faith in a dark world. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, reading in verse 1, not many of you should become teachers in the church. Why does he say this? He said this because... In the, uh, in the growth track meeting which is where you know you come and you sign up and you learn about the church and you become a member of the church everybody was signing up on where they wanted to serve and everybody was signing up to be the preacher everybody wanted to be the, everybody wanted to be the guy with the microphone like, uh, and they wanted to be the guy standing up on stage while everyone was listening and James was like okay listen um, not many of you really should. <laughs> like, I know you want to, but you just really shouldn't. And it isn't because you're not smart. It isn't because you're not intelligent. It doesn't even mean that you're not called of God. But before you sign up to be a teacher of the Word, here's the thing you ought to know. For we who te- we teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make any mis- many mistakes. Here's what he's saying. He said, listen. You're up there talking, and all these people are listening. When I stand here this morning, I'm reading out of the Word of God. You're expecting me to give you a word from God to help your life out of, out of His Scripture. And if I come up here and start spewing lies and, and yeah. blaspheming God and pulling you away with incorrect teachings, here's the problem. Not only am I responsible for my own life that I led the wrong way, but I'm responsible for all of you and the hundreds of people watching online right now. So I'm going to be judged not just by the words I say that have affected my life, but I'm going to be judged by the words I'm saying that are affecting all of your lives. And so James is saying before you sign up in Dream Team, you might should maybe be a greeter before you decide to stand up and teach. Because people were wanting to teach, and they were just saying anything they wanted to. They were just saying their own opinions and whatever felt good. And James is warning them, you're going to be judged more strictly, more harshly. He said, now we all make mistakes. We all stumble, right? But you can't just go up there and start leading people astray. You're going to be judged for it. Then he goes on, and I love these words. For if we could control our tongues... So now he's going to broaden it, right? He's been talking about the people who are wanting to preach. But now he's going to broaden it and give us a big picture that's going to affect every person's life in this room. He said, if we could control our tongues, we we would be perfect, meaning mature and complete, and could also control ourselves in every other way. Here's powerful words by the Apostle James. If I could sum up today's entire message, it's simply this. If we could control our tongues, if if your your tongue is a deadly weapon, it it can hurt people, it can hurt you. But if you could control your tongue, you could control yourself in every other way. Thank goodness James is going to talk to us a little bit more about what he means here. How many of you would like to know how to control the rest of your life? Have you ever said any words? You go, oof, didn't mean to say that. You see, the, the, your, your words, your, your mouth, your tongue is a deadly weapon. It, it can be used to cause you to live a life of regret. It can be used to cause pain in yourself and those around you. It, it can, you can use your tongue to talk yourself into making mistakes. Have you ever talked yourself into the wrong thing? Now, you can talk yourself right into the wrong thing. You can talk yourself right into having a bad attitude. Right? Like you didn't start with a bad attitude, but the more you talked about it, at some point you decided, you know what? I am mad about that. You know what? I am upset about it. I wasn't upset, but now that I've ta- thought about it, you said thought about it, what you really meant was now that I've talked about it more, I'm upset about it. I'm angry about it. And then we begin to respond to it. Or here's the flip side and we're going to learn more about this. Your tongue, your mouth, your words could be used to heal They they could be used to bring peace into difficult situations. You could talk yourself into doing the right thing. You could talk yourself into the godly response. You could talk yourself out of a life of regrets and into the life that Jesus promised you. And it happens with your mouth because if we could control our mouths, if we could control our tongue, if we could control what we're saying, James says, we could control everything else that's going on in in our life. tongue's a powerful weapon. How are you using it? Here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to give you three truths about the tongue. We're going to answer one quick question, and then I'm going to give you three ways that you can control your tongue, three ways that you can control your tongue. Put your hand on your Bible this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that as we read it, it opens something up in us. It challenges us. But God, you're going to leave us here not the same as when we came in, But you're going to change us for the better. We're going to be more like you when we leave here. Lord, I thank you that as you give us knowledge today, as you give us truth today, this truth is going to set us free. Lord, let my words not be mere words of man's wisdom, but lace them with the power of the Holy Spirit and the demonstration of your Son, Jesus. And the people said, amen, amen. Amen. Truth number one is this, the tongue is disproportionately powerful. It's disproportionately powerful. Watch this verse right here. Um, Verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Now, I don't know how many have ever ridden horses, I know we're from Texas, and the people outside of Texas think that everyone owns a horse and a gun. That, well, <laughs> that's not exactly the case. I did happen to be raised in a family that loved horses. My dad absolutely loves them. Uh, he's had dozens of them over the years. Uh, he was riding horses this weekend. His favorite thing to do is ride cutting horses, which is a really fun event. It's one of the most exhilarating two and a half minutes uh, ever. Uh, when these, these big, massive, powerful animals just go to work and they're lightning fast, and at some point, all you're trying to do is hang on. Because it's really embarrassing when the cowboy falls off in front of everybody. Lot of fun. Uh, Pastor Dino here has horses. And if you ever got a, you have a minute, you ought to hear his story through the hurricane about God, how God saved his horses. It's an incredible story about what God did for him. They're really close to his heart. And uh, it just, to me, shows how much God loves him and his wife and their family uh, and, and what he's done to them. Horses are an incredible thing because there is no way that you or I, doesn't matter how big and strong you think you are, could control a 1,200-pound animal. The horses that that these men are riding in these, in these rodeos and that are working cows and, and, and all the things they do with horses. These are big, strong, solid muscle animals. There is no way that you should be able to control it. And yet, James knew something even 2,000 years ago that we still know to be true today. That when you put a bit in the horse's mouth, you can teach it to go to the left or to the right, to stop or to go forward. You can control the, ma- the, the horse, this 1,200-pound animal, five times, six times, seven times your size by simply putting a small bit in its mouth. But the bit is very small in comparison to the size of the animal. In the same way, you see, it's, it's disproportionate, right? In the same way, your tongue is a very small thing. And yet, your tongue is disproportionately powerful to the, in, in accordance to the rest of your life. Our, our tongue says things and does things, and the impact is massive. He goes on. Verse 4. He says, And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Now, you understand, massive ship, and then there is a rudder underneath the water. Uh, it's, a, it's a vertical something or other, metal, wood, whatever it might be. And when the pilot turns the rudder through a number of devices, it causes the ship to turn in the direction that the pilot wants it to go. But it's the, it's the small rudder that is disproportionately powerful in, re- in comparison to the size of the ship. Again, here's what James is saying. Your tongue is small, and yet it's disproportionately powerful. It has the power to devastate your life or really help your life, even though it seems small. Well, those words didn't matter, Pastor Rand. actually, every word you said matters. It's a small thing that has a huge impact. I love what he says here, because your words, like the rudder and like the the bit on a horse, are used to guide your life. How many times have you crashed into the rocks and blamed the winds, and yet James is saying the rudder could have kept you out of the rocks even despite the winds? We blamed it on the situations in life. We blamed it on things outside of our control. We blamed it on storms. We blamed it on other people. We blamed it on jobs. We blamed it on lack. We blamed it on uh, where we came from. We blamed it on all types of problems in the world. And James is saying, if you would get your rudder right, you could overcome all of the other obstacles that really are outside of your control. You you don't have a storm problem, you have a rudder problem. You don't have a outside situation problem, we we have a mouth problem. What are we saying? What are we saying? Even though the winds are strong. You out there this morning? All right. Your tongue is the steering mechanism for your life. It's what guides you to the left and guides you to the right. my, my dad's horses and they're, and they're, they're really amazing things. They're, they're so trained that he doesn't have to yank and tug and pull, but he just lays the rein to the left, and before that bit even hurts the animal, he lays the rein on the left side of the the, the, the right side of the neck, and the, and, the, and the horse will move this way or that way just by the slight pull of the reins, because he's been trained to direct because of the bit in his mouth. What are we doing? Verse five. He keeps on going. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. You've tried to talk your way around things. You've tried to talk other people in things. You've tried to talk yourself into things. You've used your tongue to make grand speeches to cover up the real problem. And yet, watch this, in the, it, a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. I'm so troubled by the the fires that are going on in california right now i don't know if you're watching but man they need our prayers uh j- just like when we were going through harvey we were coveting the prayers of people around this country let's not get so caught up in our trials that we forget about what's happening on the other side of our nation and people are being evacuated we need god to help us and, and help those wonderful people um but here's what he's saying the world your life is full of fuel it's full of flammable material that can catch on fire. It's like a dry forest just waiting for a spark. And the spark is your words and it is your tongue. Everything in your life can be ca- caught on fire with just the wrong words. Let me ask you a question. How many fires have you started and you didn't even know you started them? When I was growing up, they had the, 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 the bear that was always talking about the forest fires. Remember that guy? Smokey. Smokey. He was always talking about the forest fires. And he wasn't trying to be ugly to people, but what he was saying is you go into the forest, you don't even know what you're doing, and all of a sudden you leave a campfire going or you leave something lit, and it's just a small ember, and yet it turns into a massive forest fire. And the impact is deadly, and It's huge. And it all happened. You didn't necessarily mean to. He's not talking about the people that go and pour gasoline everywhere and say, I'm gonna send this whole place up in flames. No, he's talking about that people that just aren't paying attention and that they're going around and they're starting forest fires. And isn't that exactly what we do? Most of us are not going around saying, Whose world can I blow up today? What what bridge can I burn down today? What problem can I cause today? In, in my marriage, I don't wake up in the morning uh, and going, I want to cause my wife all kinds of trouble today. It just feels like that kind of a day. It just feels like the kind of day where I'm going to start the biggest fight of my life. No, what happens is, and men, maybe this is just me, but I somehow doubt it. I say something, having no idea what I said or why I said it, or even that it was an important deal. Three hours later, she's mad at me, and I don't even know what happened. She said, it's because you said this, and I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. That wasn't what was in my heart. Man, you ever said, that's not what I meant. He was like, well, it's not what you said. It's how you said it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could see what you're saying now. Um, or see what I was saying. Well, the point is this. I went around. I didn't even mean to. But I just lit a fire, dropped a match on the ground, blew my marriage up, and I went on about my, about my day like everything was normal. Next thing you know, I'm looking around and my whole world's burning down. I know, I know that your marriage has never experienced anything like that, for you are perfect and mature and complete in all of your ways. And, and you would never lie in the sanctuary of God. And, men you have never done something like that and made a statement that you didn't even know you said and blew up your marriage. That's just me, I understand. But I put myself on the, on the altar of, of uh, you know, scrutiny today so that, so that you all know that none of us are Jesus. How many times have we done that, though? One area of our life or other. We're, we're dropping a match and we don't even realize it. We're lighting up. We look around behind us and there's a forest fire. We go, who started that? <laughs> I did. How did you do it with my words? Yeah, but Pastor Randon, this was already ready to burn. And that was already ready to burn. And it was just waiting. Yeah, yeah. It was just waiting for your words. Because they're the spark that causes everything to go up in flames. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. Um, How many of the fires in your life were really caused by your words? How many fires that you've been putting out? You're running around putting out fires, putting water everywhere, and you say, man, my whole life is going up in smoke. Yeah. If you're being honest, through the help of the Holy Spirit right now, how many of those did you cause by words you said or words you didn't say or words that you shouldn't have said instead of the words you should have said? Let, let's go on to number two. Let's go on to number two. The tongue, so here's the problem. The tongue is inherently evil. Your mouth is inherently evil. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Randall? Let's go on to our next verse. And the tongue, verse six, is a flame of fire. Your tongue is fire. It's just, it is, it, it is, it's not on fire. It is fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. Just think this is your mouth. This is your tongue. This is you. I know you've been saved for 37 years and you've been sanctified and and holified and all those words. But your tongue is an entire world of wickedness. Oh, Jesus, help us. And it's corrupting your entire body. It's corrupting everything. It can set your whole life on fire. I love this. For it is set on fire by hell itself. The never ending. You ever studied hell and the never ending flames that are burning hot and they they, they never die and they never run out of fuel and they just keep burning and burning and burning for all of eternity? Yeah, yeah. That's what's fueling your tongue. Hell itself is fueling your tongue. James, you are killing us right now. Can we get to the good part here? Here's what we have to understand. Our tongues are not inherently good. Our tongues came out of the wound like the devil incarnate. They need to be saved. We we, we, we need some help for our mouths. Every toddler in the world, every two-year-old in the world, what's their favorite word? No. Who taught you that? No. I'm going to lay hands on your mouth in the name of Jesus no, we have to be taught to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, no, sir. We have to be taught to say please and thank you. We don't come out of the wound saying those things. We don't come out of the wound being courteous to, think, to people. We come out of the wound demanding things with our mouth. What we have to, be, we have to do is be taught the other way. We have to teach our mouths what to say because the tongue is inherently evil. It doesn't become fire. It doesn't become wickedness. Watch right here. It just is a flame of fire. It just is a whole world of wickedness. It's not not the end of the product. It's It's the problem. So how did my tongue get so bad? It came this way. Evil is the default setting. And the New King James says it like this. The tongue is so set among our members. Meaning, it was set like this. You came into the world like this. You didn't cause the problem, but you are responsible to find out how to fix it before you send your whole world up in flames. Evil is the default setting. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 21. I love this verse right here. Too much talk... I'm sorry, you're right. Verse 19. Too much talk leads to sin. We talk too much, we talk ourselves right into sin. You keep on talking, you'll end up lying about something. <laughs> All right? You're sitting around the campfire. You're telling stories. Every start, everybody starts out humble. You're sitting around the living room telling stories. Everybody st- starts out humble, telling the truth. Yeah. A couple hours, for some of you, a, a couple of Bud Lights later. Lying, ain't even true. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth right now. Y'all do. <laughs> Y'all are thinking about stories right now. Like, I didn't mean to pass around. I didn't mean to say that. God told me the other day, he said, uh, he, said he, he just loves the Astros so much. And he hanks, hates the Yankees so much, right? Astros were uh, playing yesterday. And he, he, said, he said, you know, Brandon, he said, I don't really feel this way. But I was about a six-pack deep yesterday, and I was thinking about the Yankees, and I just wanted to—I just wanted to get in a plane crash on the way back to New York. I didn't want him to die or anything. I just wanted to get in a plane crash. I'm like, dude, that is wrong. He goes, I know. And he said, but I was at least a six-pack deep. <laughs> Too much talk leads to sin, leads you to saying things you shouldn't say and doing things you shouldn't do. You'll back yourself into a corner. Be sensible and shut your mouth. <laughs> right. Be sensible. Verse 20. The words of the godly are like sterling silver. The heart of a fool is worthless. The words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. What's the common sense? Knowing when to keep your mouth shut. You're talking too much and it's destroying your life. Why don't the words you are using be used to encourage many? That's what he said. The words of the godly encourage many. I want to believe that all of us in this room are godly today, but which part of this verse would we actually fit into? The godly or the fool? You'll know by the words you're using. Are your words encouraging many? Are they destroying your life by your lack of common sense because you just keep leading yourself into sin? By talking too much, can I get an amen this morning? Amen. Uh, one more quick verse for you, and you will keep moving. Psalm chapter 52, verse two. "All day long you plot destruction. Your tongue cuts like a sharp razor. Our words are like sharp razors, and we just we can just cut everywhere we go, just cutting people and cutting people and cutting people. You ever been using a razor blade for one reason or the other? It seems like with a razor, you don't even have to make an attempt to cut yourself. You just touch it and all of a sudden you're bleeding. How many people in your, in, in your life come into your world and you don't even have to make an attempt to hurt them, but just by them touching you, your words are cutting them? Let's keep going. Number three, here's the big problem. The tongue is humanly untamable. You've got this massive problem. Your tongue is inherently evil. It is a whole world of wickedness. It burns burns with the flames of hell, and yet you can't tame it. There's nothing you can do. Watch what he says here. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but... No one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Verse 10, And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. What's he saying? Your word, your tongue, your mouth on one hand it's saying something really good and then on the other hand you're cursing people you come in on sunday morning we're saying you are good you're good oh god you're so good we love you and we praise you and we bless your holy name you're wonderful we greet the people on the altar man god is good god bless you brother we walk out the door and we leave that there and suddenly without knowing we're cursing people. We're talking bad about people. We're saying wrong things. We hardly even got through with lunch. The same mouth. Why does that happen? Because we haven't tamed our tongue. Well, the problem is we cannot tame our tongue. This is a, this is a concern. We can't tame our tongue. How, how, do we, how do we fix it if we can't? Tame it. It, And and I love here, it says it's unruly. It's a restless evil. Your tongue, your mouth never gets tired of causing problems in your life. It just keeps on going. It just keeps on blowing things up. It just keeps on causing fires. It never gets tired. So what do we do? Well, we go back to Exodus chapter 4. I want to show you something here. Verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord. So God's trying to use Moses. He's just appeared to him in the burning bush. He's going to send him back to Egypt to deliver the people. All right. Moses had a problem. He had a a stuttering problem. He had a problem with his words, with his mouth, with his lips. Here's what he said. Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. What is he saying right here? I had a problem before you, and now that I've seen you in the burning bush, and you've talked to me and you've helped me, I still have a problem. You see, you can be saved and still have a mouth problem. You can be serving God and still have a problem with the words that you're saying. You can be coming to church and worshiping Jesus and your tongue still be untamed and causing problems all over the world. I I, I had a problem before you, God, and I have a problem since you, God. But I'm slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. i got a problem with my language. So the Lord said to him, here's his answer, Who has made man's mouth? James said, no man, no one, no man, the word there is actually translated mankind, the New Living Translation says one, the reason they changed it to one is because they didn't want there to be confusion, thinking that a man, a male, couldn't tame his mouth, but a woman could tame hers. Ladies, we know that ain't true, right? (laughs) Right? Right? And so the New Living just changed it to one, meaning no one on earth can tame their tongue. But here's what what Exodus teaches us. uh, God said to Moses, um, no, you can't tame your tongue. You can't fix your mouth problem. But who made it? This is a rhetorical question. The answer is God made it. God's saying, who made it? Well, the answer is, you made it, Lord. Yes, since I made it, I, 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 who made the, the, the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord. So here's the deal. I made it all. Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth, and I'll teach you what you shall say. Here's God's answer. It's simply this. You can't tame your mouth, but I can. You can't tame your mouth, but the Holy Spirit can tame your mouth for you. You can't tame your words, but the Holy Spirit can tame your words. We need God's help on the subject or we will never tame our mouths. And we'll keep on causing fires all around us. We'll keep on causing problems. So wait a minute here. Remember, he talked about the tongue being a bridle, so we can't tame it, but we have to bridle it. Yes, that's exactly right. You see, putting a bridle on a horse doesn't tame him. A horse is tamed, and then the bridle comes in and teaches him how to to go. So here's what God is saying. I will do the taming. I will do that piece through the power of the Holy Spirit. But once, once we have your mouth tamed, then it's up to you to put the bridle on it and make sure you stay in control. We used to have this horse, and she was tame. You could ride her, but if you let go of the reins for one second, she would make an immediate U-turn and go on a dead run back to the barn. She'd run you under trees. She'd jump over ditches. She didn't care if you fell off. She would go, why? You have, but as long as you kept the reins on her, she would go everywhere you say and everything that you did. She was a good horse. But if you let go of the reins, she was gone. Our mouths are the same way. God will tame our mouths, but then we just have to control it. You have to make a decision. No, I'm not going to say that today. No, I'm not going to do that today. God said through the Holy Spirit, I'll I'll tame it, but you have to control it. And if we can control it, we can control the rest of our lives. So how do we know? How do we know? If my tongue is untamed and unbridled, he keeps on going here. Um, Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Here's the deal. How do you know if your mouth is out of control? You look at the fruit of your words, you look at the words you're saying. Have you ever stopped and listened to what you're saying? If you haven't just stopped and listened to what you're saying, you'll never know if you have a tongue problem or a mouth problem or a word problem. Stop and listen to what you're saying. Stop and look around you. If there are fires burning all around you, if you look behind you and there's a trail of flames, it might be because your mouth is out of control. He said, same principle we see all throughout the book of James, all throughout the words of Jesus. You know a tree by its fruit. You You know your mouth by the fruit born of it. Are you encouraging people like the mouth of the godly? Are you leading yourself into sin and foolish things like the mouth of the fool? Which one? Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Here's the problem mouth is revealing what is in your heart. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Here's the problem with the mouth it's revealing whatever's deep in your heart tongue it's a deadly weapon if I could control my tongue I could control the rest of my life how then do I control my tongue anybody want to know okay there's a few people over here that want to know three ways I'm going to give you today to control your tongue all right they're very simple they're not super spiritual but they will work number one is this wait wait don't just go to talking it is okay to be the person in the room that doesn't talk first or loudest. Wait. Old preacher said, the word wait means why am I talking? So the old preacher said, why am I talking? I said, when, you, when you're waiting to say something, ask yourself, before I say this, why am I talking? Not what am I going to say? We spend a lot of time thinking about what we're going to say But his deal is the why That gets back to the words of proverbs, right? Am I encouraging or am I setting something on fire? What am I trying to do here? It's revealing something in my heart. So wait, why am I talking? James 1 and 19 understand this my dear brothers and sisters you must You must This is not a recommendation. This is a command. You must all be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. These things go together. If we're listening first and we're slow to speak, we are waiting. And you will find yourself less angry if you'll wait a while before you start talking. You'll find yourself in a better situation if you will wait and ask yourself, Why am I talking? let me ask you a question. Or let me read you one more verse, Proverbs 21 and 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. The the last time you just let your mouth loose And say what it wanted to say. And you got someone good and told. And you were probably good and justified and right in everything you said. But let me ask you this question. Not how right did you feel, but how righteous did you feel when you were done? Not about were were you right or wrong in your words, but how righteous, meaning how right with God, did you feel? Or deep in your heart, hours later, days later, were you going, I know I was right, I just wish I wouldn't have said that. Do you feel like you need to go repent? It's because you're, you let your tongue loose. Wait, wait, wait. Here's what Jesus said. This is very important. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For what is ever, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Here's the problem. He's talking to Pharisees and Sadducees, and they were saying the right thing. They were speaking the law. They were saying it right. They were right. They just weren't righteous with God. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, just like we heard from Luke chapter 6. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this. Here's the problem. You must give an account on judgment day for some of the idle words that you speak. When I grew up, when the preacher would read the verse wrong when he wanted to emphasize something. Let's take another look here. And and you must give an account on judgment day for how many words? Every Every idle word you speak. We have to give an account for These are the words of Jesus. What's he trying to tell you? It's worth the wait. Why am I talking? Number two. I'm coming back to you over here. Here's number two. You've waited. Now think. Think. Like use your brain for a a minute. They say there are four types of people in the world. Number one is people that think before they talk. Number two is people that think while they talk. Any of those in the room? Number three is people that think after they talk. (laughs) You know any of those? And here's number four: people that don't think at all. (laughs) They never think. They're just talking. Wow, I didn't think. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, we know. (laughs) Proverbs 23 and 7, here's the problem. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. You're not even thinking. You don't even know what you are. You have an identity crisis because you haven't even thought. (laughs) You're just going with the winds. Wherever the river takes me, I'm just floating along in life. (sighs) Wait and think. What should I say? What will the ramifications be? Is it helpful? Am I going to want to repent later? We ought to think for a moment. We wait and then we think. And number three is this. We pray. It is okay to say a prayer before you weigh in. It is okay before you say a prayer to light something on fire. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about fire. Fire can be used for good or evil. Your tongue is a fire. But it could be used for good things. If you would wait Think and pray. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. The Bible says, in, 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 the, Isaiah came and he said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high, lifted high, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He saw like the heavens. He saw the throne room of God, the angels, and he was, he was blown away. And here's response. And as soon as he saw the heavens... As soon as he saw God, as soon as it all came real to him, this is his response. It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I saw God, and it revealed something in me. The belief in the Old Testament was if you saw God, if man actually saw God, because man was a sinner, he would die. Because man couldn't see God with sin in his life and live through it. He said, oh my gosh, there is sin in my life. I am doomed. Watch the sin. Watch the sin. He didn't say, I've been out fornicating. He didn't say, I've been out doing drugs. He didn't say, I've been out stealing. None of that. No, he said, I have filthy lips. have a mouth problem. And I, love, I live among a people that have a mouth problem, that have a tongue problem, that have a lip problem. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. But here's the good news. I told you we had good news here. Then one of the seraphim, one of the angels, this is a type of angel, flew to him with a burning coal he had taken from the altar and with a pair of tongs. So he grabs a burning coal from the altar and he flies over to Isaiah. Isaiah said, I can't do it bad. I've, I've got a mouth problem. My words have gotten me in trouble. I am a sinner because of my mouth. And he touched my lips with it. And he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Whatever words you said, whatever sin you've gotten yourself into, whether you knew it or not, and we recognize through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives that it was our own words, it was our own mouth that talked us into sin, that talked us into problems, that caught our worlds on fire. Here's what he said, I'm removing the guilt. You come to me and you say, forgive me, I'm repenting. I'm gonna remove the guilt and your sins are forgiven. This is what I love about God. He is not trying to condemn you. He's trying to release you. I can't fix all the words that you've said up to this point. But here's what I can tell you. God wants to forgive you, and he wants to remove the guilt from your life. And then the question is, what will you do moving forward? words that I've spoken I wish I had never spoken I've dealt with consequences because of the things I've said James says you're trying to live out your faith but your words he just got finished telling us at the end of chapter 2 that faith without works is dead here's what he goes right into words, your mouth is killing your witness Your words are killing your witness. You think you have the right kind of faith, but your words are telling otherwise. Why? Because it's what's in your heart that's coming out in your mouth. Forgive us, God. God, forgive us. In your presence, we realize that our words have condemned us, but you didn't come to condemn us. You came to forgive us. You came, and your Holy Spirit came to convict us so that we might be drawn back to you. I love what Isaiah says. God says to him, So, who now will go for me? Who now will go and be my mouthpiece? Who will now go and and speak my words? And Isaiah says, Now that you've redeemed me, God, now that you've saved my mouth, now that you've saved my words, now that you've forgiven me, I'll go. But I'm not going to go talk like I used to talk, I'm going to change my words. I'm not going to let my lips talk me into sin and talk me into trouble and start fires all over the place. No, I'm going to. I'm going to leave and I'm going to go do your work, God. The words of the godly encourage many. We need God to touch our mouths every day before He sends us out into the world. You see, every day you're like Isaiah, going out to do the work of God. Me? you. I'm not a preacher, Pastor Renan. No, you are. Preaching with your life, you're preaching with your words. I heard someone say, if you were accused of work, at work, of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If someone at work accused you of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence in your life, would there be enough evidence in your words to convict you of it, or would your words tell a different story? I wanna be, con- be convicted of being a Christian, of being a follower of Christ, and I wanna make sure my words are in alignment with that. So I say this morning, Father, forgive me. May ask you a question. Do you have words that you need to ask God to forgive you? When we, we're here in the, in the presence of God is here, are you thinking about things you should have never said? Should have never done, talked yourself into, dealing with the aftermath because of words you said. It's not about if they were right, but were they righteous? Did they make you right with God or did they pull you away? See, the desire to be right can be a huge stumbling block for the people of God. Close your eyes with me for just a moment. In your own heart, we're in the presence of God just like Isaiah was. Do you need to say father forgive me of my words father forgive me lord i stand here not as a perfect man but as isaiah that as we've read these words and we've looked at the words of the apostle james i'm saying father forgive me of the words that i have said i didn't mean to cause the problem but i didn't realize the times in my life I was catching my world on fire by the words I was saying. So Father, forgive me. Cleanse my lips. Cleanse my words. Remove the guilt from my life. Remove the guilt from your people, God. Forgive us today. Give us clean lips today. Give us a fresh start that when we leave here, would you tame our mouths Lord, we're committed to bridling them. We're committed to doing the right thing and and waiting and thinking and praying. But God, we need your help with the taming because we can't do that. So tame our lips right now. Lord, for those of us that are dealing with the problems our words have caused, Lord, I pray that you'd bring healing in our life. Lord, if if we need to go and ask for forgiveness, give us the strength and the courage to go and ask for forgiveness, Lord God. I thank you for it right now.